Hey everyone, it's another week of Find Your Film. This week we have, I think this is our, our, our record. We have four featured movies to talk about, right? Bruce, is it, uh, is it a record? You're, you're a good archivist. Is this our, our top as far as featured? Eric, I think so. Think? Yeah? Eric, I think what do you think? So. Think so? Yes. 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 Did you just say yes because you are agreeing with Bruce Berkey? I'm saying yes because I agree with both of you. Listen, that is I Eric Holmes. Do not know. That is Eric Holmes. He is a liar. The, re- you know, the reason why he's a liar is because I was I, I, I set him up and I was asking him if he was agreeing with things because this episode will be filled with really cool disagreements. And I think that's also a hallmark of our podcast. When we cover a movie, you're going to get pretty much a gamut of emotion and different reactions. And I think it's going to be exemplified by the four films we tackle this week. Agreed with me or disagree, Bruce, on, on that assessment, what we're going to cover this week? I am agreeable, Bruce, this week. Agree. Agreeable. <laughs> Bruce Perky is agreeable. Bruce, this week, again, I didn't do my homework. If you're watching us on our YouTube channel, which you can check out on our links on our show notes, Bruce is called Letters to Brucifer. That was suggested by his son, Andrew, who also provides the music for the show, by the way. Great, great, uh, talented son that you have, Bruce. Does he get his talent from you, Bruce, at all? <laughs> I don't No, he gets it despite me, I think. <laughs> despite you, Bruce. And then we have We Eric Within. Oh, We where, Eric Within. Where, where, Eric, where, oh. where Eric Within. Where where Eric Within. Within. Okay. Where, where Eric Within. And that actually, Eric gets a little bit of a bonus because that's a very, uh, very, very interesting moniker. There's a, there's a reason why he's called Werrick Within. They're, we're going to cover werewolves. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Letters to Brucifer. I think that's just an old standby moniker that I, I think, right, Bruce? That's a standby, right? The the moniker. No, letters to Bruce. no. I'm talking about letters to uh, Satan Claus this week. Oh, Remember? Letters to Satan Claus. Okay, yes, no, <laughs> yes. Again, I'm not doing my homework. That is the wrap up for the the uh, was it the, what's in the, the box? disagreements what? begin. Okay, yes, <laughs> that is the what's in the box movie, Bruce. Who who? Oh yeah, who actually suggested uh, letters to Satan Claus for you? Uh, the director, Justin G. Dyke, who directed Anything for Jackson. Oh, oh, Anything for Jackson. Oh, and then you know what? You know, obviously, Bruce and Eric are doing a way better job of tying the show into this week. We Eric, we Eric within, a.k.a. Eric Holmes. Is that why you're doing Anything for Jackson this week? Because you wanted to tie that in as well? You're doing. I, I, actually, uh, if I, it's, I don't remember the last episode, but I, if I remember correctly, I believe Bruce picked it mentioned the director and then i was like oh that's right i've had that movie on my list forever i should watch that and then so i did okay well if if you if you guys have listened to past episodes bruce perky really enjoyed that movie and he ended ended up actually interviewing the filmmaker at the end of every bruce perky interview he asked for the filmmaker to put a film in the box a movie of a recommend a movie that they recommend and he puts it in the weekly what's in the box segment and he picked anything for jackson last week now our main features this week four movies is it werewolves within that's that's a, a movie about werewolves horror comedy mystery we're also g- going to be covering a documentary called rebel hearts there's another horror thriller called the evil next door and then last but not least definitely not least is a spanish language film called i carry you with me it's about the immigration experience from mexico to new york and i'm gonna i'm gonna brag because i know five words in Spanish. The movie's called I Carry You Carry You With Me, but in Spanish it's called Te Llevo Conmigo. How how did I do, guys? Did I do all right? I you know? agree. 
You agree? I agree too. <laughs> you agree too. Very good. Very good. Before we start with our main movies and everything, I want to do a couple of plugs. First off, if you want, if you're really interested in our fine, your film community and you want to keep this conversation going and extra, like daily movie picks, highly suggest you join our Cinematics Facebook group. I was thinking about today and I was thinking about how Bruce, I met Bruce and I met Eric and it all started off with me and Anderson doing a show called Cinematics. And it's still going on. We do it once a month. We started in 2015. From, like, from there, the Cinematics Facebook group originated, I think, my, maybe about three, three and a half years ago. Slow. I mean, it's slow and intimate, meaning we have about 500 plus. We just reached 500 last week. We have 500 plus members. And every single day, you'll be treated to just different movie reviews or movie picks just from our members. And people like Joseph Bridges, Matt Stillman, who else, guys? Think uh, Chad Wilfong, Ken Cunningham. I think Angie Clark, just a whole bunch of Andrew Martin, podcaster Andrew Martin, Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class. They'll just give recommendations just for the F of it. And they do a better job definitely than me. And Eric and Bruce are pretty much a de facto moderators of the group. So Eric, is that, uh, is, is that a really cool part of why you wanted to continue this podcast with Find Your Film because of this Facebook community that's grown from there? I, I wanted to go with the... Uh, with the uh... I agree, kind of a running <laughs> gag, but yeah, the, yeah. The, so the Cinematics Facebook group. I'm I'm assuming most people that listen to this are already part of it, but if you're not, it's pretty fun place to uh, go. Just talk to people about movies. They, I mean, there's disagreements to be had for sure of like what movie, what movie's good, what movie's bad, so on and so forth. But for the most part, I think everyone's pretty respectable. Like, oh, I really like this movie. Oh, it didn't work for me, but blah 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 you know, for these reasons. Um, but th- there's not, not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of uh, fights going on as you would have it say, uh, you know, on Twitter or something like that, for example. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to be a part of the cinematics Facebook group and there's a bunch of great people on there. Yeah. There's a lot of whole, there's some entertainment writers. There's actually some, some podcasters. And most importantly, most of the, these people are very, very huge cinephiles so if you want to really get in this really small community and also every week if you're a member i give out free dvds and blu-rays to our cinematics facebook group that is a plug for that and also bruce prick uh prick why did i say prick did i say prick because <laughs> what i was thinking of what's a foreshadowing wow. of what's, gonna, what's gonna a foreshadowing <laughs> of future disagreements in about uh, 10 15 minutes <laughs> Sorry. i'm not gonna edit that because that was a nice freudian slip Oh, by the way, if you're not looking at the, if you're not checking out our YouTube channel, Bruce is actually giving me two middle fingers. I think that's not a, a nice thing to do, Bruce. That's not, oh, you, oh you, I, I thought you were going to pull out, pull out the two fingers. It was, I was trying to predict the future of you being vulgar to me. But, um, <laughs> there you oh, go. there you go. Very good. There's the two fingers. Oh, the, thank you, Bruce. I just, but they're my the way, ring I, fingers. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the ring. Yeah. yeah. By the way, we forgot to plug last week the middle class film class. You guys were on. You and Eric, can you just very quickly talk about the quiz show you guys took part in? Is going to is that part of what's going to happen with the middle class film class universe? And was it fun being part of the show, part of the program? We'll start by saying, well, no, I won't give that away. Could I just go? Uh, it's the uh, the caveman episode. But they reviewed uh, the caveman movie with Ringo Starr, and Bruce and I are on it doing a uh, fun little game show. Um, uh, basically the conceit is uh they'll say like uh name five movies that have a uh, zombie in it and then you have 30 seconds to just name you know five different movies 
and uh, they have the uh, what, what would you call it the uh, um, what um, what's that comedy show the uh, whose line is it anyway kind of right, scoring system right. <laughs> they got that kind of scoring system going but it's it, it, it's mostly just for fun I don't I can't speak for Bruce I had a great time doing it and those guys are a lot of fun oh yeah. Yeah, they're they're really fun, and it was it was a lot of fun doing it, and surprisingly harder than you think it would be once you get that timer on you. I'm like saying like once upon a time in in Los Angeles. Wait, what? <laughs> That's not a movie. <laughs> I I think the when you know a lot of movies, when you want to name five, like you're so used to doing like top five or bottom five or whatever, so the the movies like mad you know matter to you in some way or another but that's not what the game is the game is just name five movies that have this thing in it the hard part of the game is we're so conditioned to put a lot of thought into the movies that we pick so when they say name five movies that start with the letter a oh it's five movies i like to start with the letter a no that is not the game the game is name five movies doesn't matter if you like them or not i mean very quickly before we get into the main reviews bruce you actually listen you and you too eric you guys listen to the middle class film class on a weekly basis what do you guys love the most just very quickly about the show I, I think they have a really good chemistry. They're really, they have a really good sense of humor. They do lots of drops. They give Tyler quite a bit of Tyler's like one of the third member of the group there. They give him a lot of, of grief, but uh, he's really, he's really funny and probably the most outrageous of the three, you know? So it's, mm. it's just a, it's just a good combo and they feel like, and I'm pretty sure they are longtime friends. So you really get that feeling when you listen to them and they just kind of usually pick one movie and it. A lot of times it's a movie that everyone's seen, but it's their conversation that makes it fun. So, okay. So that is middle. Oh, oh, I I was going to say another fun thing about their uh, podcast is their show notes, which are extensive. (laughs) They literally list every movie they even just mentioned in passing on there. But uh, like you listen to, as you're listening to the the podcast, you just kind of go through the show notes and it's like, oh, wow, that's a cool movie. Oh, I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, wait. But then, then you'll see like two movies together that shouldn't be together. <laughs> so I, I don't know about Bruce, but like if I'm listening to it, it's like, what the hell does Robocop and Antichrist have to do with each other? I cannot <laughs> wait to see how those two mix. <laughs> Okay, well, listeners, that is Middle Class Film Class. If you want really great audio, some really interesting drops, chemistry, and extensive show notes and archives, go to Middle Class Film Class. If you are looking for for something that's not thoroughly researched or insightful with lack of chemistry with people who are not friends, who hate each other and will disagree on everything from peanut butter to jelly, thank you for listening to Find Your Film. That's what, that's what we're here. My show notes are really horrible. I have like maybe two sentences on my show notes. So I, I got to improve on that. But first, I'm so excited. We got to get to the meat of the, of the whole thing. We're going to start off first with a documentary. Hollywood, California, home of a religious order which keeps making headlines. The Immaculate Heart College was alive with highly trained, ambitious women. These ladies were kick-ass and kind of subversive. There was a big peace march, and the nuns in the school were marching with us. If you really believe something is wrong, put your body on the line. Good Catholics were not sending their daughters to Immaculate Heart because they felt it was a little dangerous. We'd certainly brought criticism from the Cardinal. That Cardinal was not going to put up with those uppity women. Cardinal Macari was very powerful in those days. He was the boss. Immaculate Heart sisters drifted away from authority, and that was really the big problem. (gasps) They thought it was blasphemous. I 
think he viewed nuns as coolie labor for his schools. Sisters complained about the conditions of their jobs. The cardinal started censoring the faculty. There were legions of young nuns where all they felt was defeat. We said, we have to stand up and say, this is what we will do. Clearly, we were in a boat that needed desperately to be rocked. The Immaculate Heart Sisters taught me, you must follow your conscience, even if it goes against what the Pope himself has to say. There's a sense in which we've always been in trouble. <laughs> it was a marvelous statement of women. We did what we thought was right. We did it because we thought it was just. It's called Rebel Hearts. Hits theaters in, in it hits select theaters June 25th and comes out on Discovery Plus on June 27th. I'm actually going to read from the email because it's hard for me to actually put into words. You know, I I, I went to Catholic school. I'm Catholic. I, I've lived in LA since I was 10. So it it hits home because this and it's going to hit home for a lot of, we're going to have a really interesting conversation with this one. So I had no idea who the, the sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary are, but here's the, doc, the documentary synopsis straight from the press release. The doc follows the sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary who bra- bravely stood up to the patriarchy of the Catholic Church for fighting equality, their livelihoods, and their own freedom in the 1960s Los Angeles. These resistance fighters and their efforts to bring the church into modern life were met with forceful opposition at every turn. So essentially, you have these nuns, and they're, they're actually, it's the 60s. They want to actually exercise their faith and live in the faith within the social structure of the time, bring their spirituality, bring their religion to the masses, to the denizens of Los Angeles, and spread, it, spread this word out. Unfortunately, nuns in the Catholic Church at that time, maybe even today, possibly today, but in the 60s, they were regimented to, their lives were strictly regimented. They had times when they were supposed to pray, they had times when they had to be silent, they had to go to bed at 6 p.m. at night. There, there are some eye-opening facts that are doled out in this documentary that, as a Catholic, actually blew my mind and made me actually question just the uh, the figureheads who have been running the system. When what's cool about Rebel Hearts is it could have been a polemic or a diatribe or a look, a hard-hitting look at that patriarchy. And even though it actually addresses that, most of the movie, and most of the documentary, documentary centers on the diverse group of sisters who tried to make a change, tried to make a, and tried to make a stand in the 60s by actually bringing a different kind of education and way of actually teaching religion, religion in the 60s and through the early 70s. So that is what Rebel Hearts is about. And here's another fact from the release. The Immaculate Heart High School in Los Angeles housed actually such students as Meghan Markle and Tyra Banks. Okay, so I definitely want to start off with you, Eric Holmes, your thoughts on Rebel Hearts. Bruce Perky had an accurate prediction that you're saying that you're going to really feel passionate about this documentary. I wanted to start off with a, the blast from your your opinion on this documentary. First of all, I, I really like this documentary. It was, it was really good. It, it definitely uh, showed some of the problems with the church in general. It also showed how good of people the, the sisters were. And I guess where I run into a problem, and it's not a problem with the movie, it's 
it's more of a, uh, I guess, confusion of the situation that they're in because the, the sisters are good people. They want to, they want women to be less oppressed. Um, you know, they want to be more diverse, so on and so forth. And that's great. But where I'm confused is that that kind of thinking isn't present within the text of the Bible. So to me, I'm watching this just wondering why the uh, sisters just don't leave the Catholic church and just turn their back on the Bible altogether. It'd be as if uh, there was a black man trying to make the KKK more diverse. It's like, okay, that, that would be great if you could do that. But the, the, uh, the heart of this thing is inherently bad to begin with. You know, it, it should not be, let's try to make this bad thing more inclusive. It should be, let's reject this bad thing and then maybe do something else that's uh, more inclusive. I think would probably be the better play. But also at the same time, you know, this uh, much like with most people in religion, this is something they've been indoctrinated since, you know, since they were children. As I was, uh, you know, myself, I, you know, I, I was really religious growing up. And finally grew out of that. That sounds flippant to say grew out of that, but um, I, I, I moved. That sounds very mean, Eric Holmes, and I hate <laughs> you being a Catholic. Bruce, do you have my cross in my? Did I mail out to you? Did you? Did you guys get my crosses? No, I'm, I'm it's very um, heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do, uh, I do respect the sisters of uh, that. You know, they they saw what they felt was um, the church being wrong. And they fought against it at the cost of their faith, which is real important to them. And so even though I don't agree with their faith, I do recognize that this is something that's important to them. And this is something they didn't want to lose. And they put that on the line uh, to help others. And that's commendable. Um, I just don't think they need God to do it that they had this all within themselves. And uh, anytime someone does something good and, attributes it towards something that's not there i kind of uh i kind of want to just give them a hug and say this was you this was not god this was not jesus this was you that did this you're a good person and uh that's kind of what i got from it and yeah it's a a real good documentary real great people i just i wish they would have come to their conclusion in a different way but that's my position that is fair enough i never have to worry about that because i don't do good works for anybody so no (laughs) Folks, I disagree. No, no, I disagree. Thank you, sir. No thanks necessary. You know, Bruce, on a very selfish manner, one of the things that really got out of Rebel Hearts, and you pointed this out to our, our Facebook group, I think a week and a half ago or something, was the introduction of Corita Kent, just an amazing artist. I think that serves, I, I'm going to say selfishly, it's like sort of a backbone to Rebel Hearts. Can you speak to that and speak your overall thoughts on the documentary? Yeah, Karita Kent, they kind of point out how she became kind of famous above and beyond, above and beyond the sisterhood itself and everything, just because she became kind of a cause celeb pop artist, I guess you'd say. But she also, her art alone was kind of iconoclastic within the church as well, which was really interesting. So yes, I think she was very interesting in her path. I'm not going to say how she proceeds by the end of this movie if you don't know her her story but it's very interesting to see what path she chooses compared to some other members of this documentary overall i'm even though i'm religiously in line with eric i i guess i'll take another angle at it just as a documentary first of all it is a really good high quality documentary especially if you're not super familiar with this i wasn't super familiar with it so i got a lot of information out of it which is good but also you can look at it as a really interesting story of religious like true 
like true religious belief, right? Like true conviction versus institutional belief. And I think that this is really interesting. I'm talking about how institutions, and in this case, the institution of the Catholic church, institutions aren't always working or often aren't working within the actual morality they profess. And I think that the, um, the way this is paralleling like American society in the late 60s is, is very interesting, as well as just, unfortunately, still very pertinent considering some of the many, many, many scandals that the Catholic Church has continued to have since that era. So um, I think it's a, a very high quality, really good documentary, really interesting. Um, as our friend Anderson <laughs> would say, it goes down smooth. You know, this is a, this is a well-made documentary. So it's really good. And- I think it's also very topical. It's talking about a period in the 60s, but the the tragedy and going, pointing out to Eric's thoughts on this as well, the sisters, they're, very, they're pretty much one of a kind. And unfortunately, 40, 50 years later, I'm sure there are a lot of sisters in the world under the, the Catholic, Catholic Church doctrine who are still fighting for that freedom or that sense of expression. I go to mass every week, pre-COVID, and sisters haven't been a big part of my parish. So I would have loved to have, I would have grown up. I'm almost 50 now. I would have loved to have seen that in the eighties and nineties, have, have them have more of a voice. And I going to Catholic, Catholic school on a personal basis. The only sisters I got to know were the ones who taught me algebra or geometry or English. And it says in the documentary, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, sisters, nuns, they were shuffled off into so many different schools. Some of them, many of them didn't even have college educations. And they actually had to teach so many students. They, they really worked a rigorous workload. And now I would love to see a documentary on sisters of today to, to try to understand well, how are they being treated within the Catholic church? And if, if that changed at all. So, because I don't think there's too many docs on that, if, if any, that is, oh, Bruce. I was to say one last little thing to tie it to Eric's point and maybe, um, to, to kind of twist it just a little bit would be that they made a point of talking about how when many of these nuns came into the church, that in American society, that was an escape for them or a way for them not to have to be the normal, traditional housewife. So it was almost a way for them to find an education, to find something different where they didn't have to automatically fit into that routine. Now, sure, they were trading one routine for another routine, but I think it also does kind of go to explain some of the frustrations Eric's having with it, I think are explained by the fact that they weren't necessarily going in there only because of this like deep conviction to be part of the Catholic church. For some of them, I think it was also somewhat of an escape from this kind of prescribed role of a woman in, you know, forties and fifties America. So I think that's a little twist on there too. I guess another issue I had with it is like, you get the part in the Bible where it mentions like uh, women aren't allowed to teach or even learn how to read. You know, they have bits in the Bible about if a man lies with another man, you must stone him to death. This is the crux of the entire religion. The, uh, these words, these words don't lend themselves to diversity. And so yeah. I, I, so if I'm the church, I'm like, okay, here, you know, women, you can do, uh, no longer going to be second-class citizens. All right. Uh, homosexuals, we will no longer kill you. That's fine. But it doesn't but say the that. book still says <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Not only, and the thing is, at least within the context of any religion, it's not just a book. This is the book, uh, according to them, that the creator of the entire universe 
wrote. You know, these are the rules and the stories that he set forth to teach us the ways of the world. And and some of the teachings are like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't believe God wrote it, but I'm but the people that believe this, you know, that's that's kind of their context going in. I think religion is kind of flawed all the way to the, you know, all the way to the apex of what the what the whole thing's about. And I, I think that's that's where I find the frustration because I yeah. I see that as the issue, not you know the religion and the churches. Those are just symptoms of the cancer that is the book itself. Listeners on, on our movie weekly movie podcast, we do not shy away from talking about religion. <laughs> that is our that is you know if we're going to talk about any, everything, sexism, poverty, social strata, but religion for us it's more of like an aperitif. Uh, Aperitif, aperitif, little, little, it's a little appetizer. Just wait till we get to some of the, some of the, we're going to tackle immigration. We're going to tackle werewolves. Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. We're going to talk about duplexes and maybe wannabe moms who don't really don't want to be moms. Yeah. We got a lot more topical stuff to cover. So let's get to it. Anyways, Rebel Hearts, good stuff, Eric Holmes and Bruce. Rebel Hearts, it airs, I mean, it's opens in select theaters on Friday, June 25th. Again, it is streaming on Discovery Plus starting June 27th. So, oh, you know, I forgot. Yeah, strong recommendation, solid recommendation for me. You Absolutely. guys too? Okay, Absolutely. Yes. Very cool. That is, so we are done with Rebel Hearts. You know what? This one, I'm, the next one is, I, we have so many meaty things to talk about. I am going to go with something that's actually, we can pretty much get over with pretty quickly. The next one is called The Evil Next Door. Okay, The Evil Next Door. Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes, they actually watched my interviews with the co-filmmakers, the two directors of The Evil Next Door. This is a movie that we're, we're pretty much, I'm going to say it, we're pretty much split on. I ended up really enjoying this movie. Anyways, this it's a Scandinavian film. It centers on a couple. I don't know. They're not, are they newly married? They're not, or maybe they're getting married. They decide to buy a house. And the fa- the, the the guy, okay, the soon-to-be husband has a, has a son. They move into this really spacious duplex Looks like a really beautiful house. Problem is, there is an e- there is the evil next door. <laughs> it's a big, big house. And you know what? When you go up to the attic, by the way, the attic is looks like it can go forever. And they, <laughs> the, the directors talk about it in, in the interview, which I, I'm going to actually put on our, our channel. But it's a really interesting attic. And it's, well, they even admitted it, the attic itself and the, the door, they, it's longer logically than the actual house is it's more of a fantastical thing anyways the woman she's really um, her name, i believe her name's sharon and she doesn't really want to be a mom you can tell right from the get-go she's she loves her man the, the son seems to be maybe uh i mean i hate to say it for her it's, he's a little bit more of a nuisance for her she doesn't treat him with hate or antipathy but from the first maybe first act maybe almost indifference and that i found absolutely annoying and frustrating because from the get-go, Sheeran, I believe that's her name, she is the main character in the movie. She's the main character and she's already unlikable and she's already pissing me off because the son seems really nice and not and cute, cute kid. You know, if I me being an uncle, I, I just want to hang out with him the whole day. She barely even talks to him. So what happens is the uh, soon-to-be hubby or the her soulmate, he goes off on a job, leaving her and her, I guess, soon-to-be stepson alone in the house. Unfortunately, there is, quote unquote, the evil next door. What is the evil next door? Is it a, a child spirit? 
Is it a ghost? Is it a creature? Is it what, what lives in the attic? That is the premise of The Evil Next Door, directed by Tord Danielson and Oscar Melander. I love this, the pacing of the movie. The first, it's the first um, couple acts, very slow build. And then the third act really packs a punch. And I really loved the windup of the movie. A little bit very resonant for me. And overall, it's a solid recommend for me. But let's start off with Bruce Perky, your overall thoughts of The Evil Next Door. So this is an okay horror movie. For me, it's an okay horror movie. But it's not my type in general, which is this is a little more of a jump scare kind of a horror movie. And I guess my biggest problem with it is that I, almost everything in this movie I've seen a lot before. So it does its job just fine. If you want to go and have just a kind of a fun jump scare, something going bump in the night kind of movie, it's 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 fine for that. But this is kind of more in the camp of things like, for me, like The Conjuring and those kind of movies, which I'm not a huge fan of either. This, <laughs> some of the things that, I'm not going to spoil it, but a couple of the things that just, I couldn't help but kind of laugh at because they were so, so overused, I thought, was first of all, they drive up to this house and it's a duplex. <laughs> and one side of the house that they're buying is like all shiny and white and looking brand new. And the other side is like the Munster's house. <laughs> it's like, Seriously? Here, you saw this house and you're like it's all good let's go and then um Dude, that's the other style i see that on, on architectural <laughs> digest all the time we're talking about <laughs> i was just like okay well whatever and then there's just so many like slow walks down the hallway oh here's another thing they get the house it's brand new and they're like walking around and the, the you talk about the attic the door to the attic is boarded shut i mean it might as well say you know portal to hell or something there it's like what What's happening? I, I mean, it was just it was just all that kind of stuff. It's stuff that was very to me it was kind of overused. And like I said, it was fine. I would say if you are a casual horror movie fan or you like jump scare style of horror, go for it. You'll probably enjoy it. It'll be a perfectly good time. But it, I, I wouldn't go out of my way for it. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't take a long walk to get to it. So I, I will support Bruce's review. We completely disagree on this movie, but I am, in fairness, a casual horror fan. Bruce is an expert in that genre. <laughs> I ended up really enjoying The Evil Next Door, but take these reviews for what they are. I don't know if this breaks the tie or just puts everything else in a enigmatic burrito for years to come. We, Eric, within, what did you think of The Evil Next Door? I just made up burrito for no well, reason. I'm a perfectly down the middle horror movie fan. <laughs> No, uh, I I kind of uh, I'll, I'll co-sign on uh, Bruce as far as if you like The Conjuring, this is this is that kind of movie based on a true story. Title at the beginning. Anytime I see that in a movie, all of a sudden my uh, my red flags go up. Oddly enough, uh, you you brought that up in the uh, the interview, and so that kind of uh, that that was actually a really interesting. Uh, no, Eric, I disagree with you. You actually brought it up because you listeners, Eric Holmes actually had me ask the filmmakers the question about the truth or false falsity false yeah but, right? and then i asked the directors that question if it's true yeah. or real what percentage is true or real and you're going to get that actual sound bite or video clip depends on how you're listening to our or watching our podcast you're going to hear the directors talking about the veracity of the evil next door right now first off i have a question from my podcast co-host and he wanted to know since this movie is Quote, based on a true story, he wanted to know the ratio of what is real, what is not. I guess without giving too much away, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the ratio. Um, I mean, it was um, this was uh, uh, inspired by something that allegedly, I should say, happened to a family up north in Sweden a few years back. 
and we got their story and uh, and no child was killed or or snatched or or something like that but they had a really bad experience and the husband in the family didn't believe this and uh, eventually he also came to believe that some kind of entity was trying to get their kid so they actually left that house and moved out and uh, i mean me personally, I don't know what to believe. They were just an ordinary family, like everyone else. And they had this experience. And it, for me and Oscar, I think that shook us a bit because they it, they seemed normal. And it seemed like s- such a s- scary experience to be in. And that combined with me living in a duplex, having the experience of neighbors moving out and the empty side of the house suddenly hearing noises from the empty side of the house when no one was living there. And I mean, I never got an explanation for the steps I heard uh, coming through the walls from the stairs on the other side. Probably was just neighbors, the new neighbors taking measures or whatever, but they were doing that very late at night. And I was first thinking it's my own kids coming down the stairs and then realized, no, it's someone walking on the other side. So all these things combined I mean, okay, it's the ratio is 50-50. 50-50. I think we're both really rational people. And if you if you ask us, we none of us believes in ghosts when but when when the when when the walls creak, we both get just as scared, actually. That's and I mean also that I mean the stories we heard, I mean they seemed like normal people ordinary everyday people and that was oh i don't believe in it maybe but something they were scared but if i heard it i would be insanely scared (laughs) all right so yeah we're back you know so the the truth and whether it's truthful or or it's all one big liar did this move so you co-sign with bruce in certain aspects do you diverge with Bruce on certain aspects as well? Did you in, end up enjoying the movie a little bit more or were you entirely in his camp? Well, so this, this movie reminds me a lot of, what, what was it the one we saw, The Vigil, where the uh, the Jewish guy is looking over the dead body? The, uh, this no, kind again, of remi- I disagree, Eric. You see, <laughs> listeners, one thing about Eric Holmes is, unlike me, he refuses to k- take credit for anything. I take credit for things that Bruce does that he doesn't know about. I'll just take credit for him. I say, hey, hey I, I saw that. I Yeah. I taught Bruce everything he needed to know about Jallo. I'm the guy. Yeah, I taught him about our Dario Argento and Mario Bava. He doesn't know. He did. He just, uh, you know, John Carpenter. He had no idea. So I, ju- I, I just lied right now. Actually, Bruce is the one who taught me all that stuff. Eric, on the other hand, he has this weird tenant, like not tenant, like uh, sorry, Bruce, about the tenant reference. He has the memento re- memento situation where he thinks that Bruce and I did something when in fact. He was the one who did it. For example, oh. <laughs> again, to recap, Eric Holmes was the one who asked the question about the evil next door. He brought it up to me. And number two, the vigil was actually brought up by Eric Holmes because he's the only, only one out of us who actually watched the oh. movie, Eric All Holmes. Right. So well. give yourself some credit. <laughs> You're the one. Yeah. Dude, I got my donkey brains are on fire today. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the, this reminded me of the vigil in that the vigil, I think it was a really good movie, but it didn't, it didn't really sit with me because I'm not a big ghost story guy. This movie leans heavily on scary children and I, I can take them. <laughs> I, I, I can beat up a child if I need to. So like they don't, you know, they don't scare me, especially if they turn evil. I do recognize that there are like 
um bruce mentioned the uh the conjuring i'm not a fan of the conjuring but a lot of people are and this kind of this kind of fits within that that kind of wheelhouse i think a couple of things i do want to point out is the uh child actor he's really good and I, I i mentioned to you guys off air that uh usually uh child actor they'll be a little you know they sound like uh they sound like the writers you know they like kids don't act like that kids don't sound like that this kid acted like my nephew brandon like he's just a little kid just running around being cute playing with stuff until it you know until things get weird i guess i'll just stop that there but uh he he's really good or maybe it's the directors the way they handle children uh they did that really well i did like the uh main protagonist the uh girlfriend i didn't quite get the hate that you did oh for for her i saw it's probably I think it's because I'm a misogynist, so I don't know if that came comes across. Oh no! <laughs> I just no, want to get Bruce a laugh. I, sorry, no, I, I, I definitely <laughs> felt some uneasiness with her yeah. watching the kid, but I yeah. saw that more as, uh, oh no, he like we don't get along. Like he didn't like like without the husband there, they don't they don't really mesh. It's yeah. not so much that she yeah. hates him; it's just she kind of needs the husband there because he's his dad and she's not his mom. But uh, that, I mean, that, that was still a pretty cool dynamic. There were some things that happened or almost happened at the end that I was really kind of uh, looking forward to that, you know, may or may not have gotten there. Spoiler, they didn't. Otherwise I would have loved it. It's definitely a good movie. This is just not a movie I usually gravitate towards, but I think there's a lot of people that are absolutely going to disagree with me and probably Bruce and eat this one up. So Aaron, and, and they should absolutely go check it out. So for you, it's not a recommend for you. You would not recommend it or you would slight recommend it for people who like this trope, the ghost uh, it, child. If thing. I came up to myself, I would not recommend it to myself, but I would recommend it to most people that like The Conjuring or the Insidious movie, like th- those type of movies. If you're into those type of movies, I think you're going to dig this one quite a bit. And you, Bruce, no recommend whatsoever? Send a thumb uh, uh- I mean, not for my same thing, not for myself, for people who like that kind of movie, it's they're going to probably enjoy it because it's solidly made for that type of type of movie. It's just not super original, but it does the job it's trying to do. Okay, I'm really I'm really getting frustrated with all these populist reviews here. I actually really love The Evil Next Door, but I'm just going to say I hate it just for the fact that I, I just want I'm, hey, folks, don't ever watch The Evil Next Door. Those two filmmakers are nice guys, but you know what? F them. F this movie. I hate this movie very much. I disagree. <laughs> Greg is lying through his teeth right now. I am. I am. That is The Evil Next Door. Some really good reviews from Bruce and Eric. And yes, I did really enjoy this movie. It's in theaters June 25th and on demand June 25th. But there's very something very important that Eric said. It did not suit him or he did not like the third act or didn't work for him. The third act, there is a part that happened that I'm sure Bruce didn't buy into that. Bruce, can I put words in your mouth? The third act did not hit you, right? You, you did not like the way it was executed? I feel like I'd seen it before. It didn't surprise me at all. I, I feel like I've seen that before. Okay. So. But I bought in hook, line, and sinker towards the end. There is going to be a huge divergence. Some people will really like it and love it. And there will be a lot of people who will not like the way the this thing wraps up. Okay. But so that is a warning or maybe even an encouragement to see the evil next door. And, and you can tell us whether who's right or how most importantly, it's not about who's right or who's wrong. Most importantly, tell us what you think of the evil next door. Did it work for you or not? And, okay. Yes, sir. And uh, where's the, where, where can the listeners find the full interview? Cause that's actually a really good interview and gives a lot of insight. The how they approach. Okay, the yeah. Movie. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you know what? It's weird. I was, I was, uh, I'm going to actually put the interview on deepestdream.com. And I'll also put the video interview on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel, which houses the Find Your Film and Cinematic stuff. And also, last plug, thank you, Eric, for our Patreon members for Cinematics, they're going to get the spoiler section, which you and Bruce were able to listen to. So if you're interested in this movie, you liked it enough, you're going to, you can join our Cinematics Patreon service, the one I do with Anderson. And I talk, I talk about the ending of The Evil Next Door. So that is it. Not really recommends from Bruce and Eric, but they, they have a really cool caveat. By the way, that movie caveat, I was in the shower and I don't, know, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I forgot what that movie is about because we've covered so many movies every single week. Eric, can you tell me what caveat was about so I just remember again? It was, was, a, it? It was about a, a movie censor, uh, movie censoring and then her uh, life kind of. No, that's called censor, right? <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I didn't see caveat. Suck okay. You, you lie. You, you continue. Wait, were you? Who did I? Did I, I, did did I? That, I did that last time, too. I wrote down that on, on our on our on our thing. I wrote down that I saw caveat. And before we started, I'm like, wait, no, I didn't see that. I saw since. Bruce, what's suck. caveat about? Did I see? Wait, did I see caveat? Life, I suck so hard. <laughs> I, oh, wait, wait. So Bruce is the only one who saw caveat, right? I didn't see caveat. Yeah. I saw caveat. No, no. I, I, I don't know. No, no. So, I only I only saw caveat. The caveat is I'm the only one who saw it. <laughs> Did you see the vigil? No, I no. Okay, sorry. I apologize, folks. That is the evil next door in theaters on demand, June 25th. That is it. I am going to yield the floor to Eric Holmes. It'll be your choice to figure out what movie, what what which of the final two movies should we talk about next? What do you think, Eric? Your choice. Of the, oh, shoot. It's either like, Te, Llevo, let, let, Te Llevo Conmigo, which is I Care You Let's with talk me. about caveat. <laughs> That'd be so awesome. We just made it up. And then also, or Werewolves Within or Te Llevo Conmigo. Um, let, let's go with the Werewolves Within because uh, Te Llevo Conmigo, uh, I, think, I think that's, uh, that, that, that might get a little deeper. So let's, let's have some fun. Or me and you can have some fun. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay. Wait, was that a shot against Werewolves Within, Eric Holmes? Was that an opening shot that it, are you saying that movie isn't deep? No, no. Uh, I, because I, I think Bruce. Actually, would... I, I wouldn't think. I mean, if if the idea is that we're all the werewolves within, then, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, whatever. Oh, um, but that, well, fuck it. Let's just go into it. Werewolves Within. To me, this was a lot like uh, compared it to uh, Knives Out. It, it also has that kind of Edward Wright kind of energy to it, like the the quick cuts and like really fancy camera work and all that. And I thought this movie was a lot of fun. The characters were all definitely archetypes, or uh, uh, some may say what's stereotypes, word? cardboard cutout, paper, like yeah. one dimensional. But there, but I had a lot of fun with them. That, I mean, that that's the thing. Shoot, I'm just I'm just losing the thread. That no, no, I'll pick up the thread. Anyways, it's it centers on his Force Ranger. His name is Finn, played by Sam Richardson. He's from Veep. I have never seen Veep. I'm sure that's a, that's a series that I should definitely love. He's a, um, a cast member of Veep, but he plays Finn, the Force Ranger. Force Ranger. He comes to a new town called Beaverfield. I believe that's the name of the town. Yeah, Beaverfield. He's there to make sure Mother Nature. He's he's over overseeing the small town now. And his first in, first introduction to the small town is a postal worker named Cecily, played by Milana Vaintrub. And immediately there is this really machine gun type uh, banter between both of them. That I, as a fan of all of these type of romantic comedies, rom coms, 
quick draw McGraw kind of exchanges back and forth, like his Girl Friday stuff. I really enjoyed the humor and the chemistry between Sam and Milana who played Finn and Cecily. So that's actually op- the actual opening of the movie where you see that kind of romantic comedy type of banter. And it's really works really well. And what's interesting is Eric talks about these characters who from the outside looking in, they seem like one dimensional characters, but each of these characters are in their own fashion. They're, they're, they're kind of like writer's characters. Each of them are clever and they say funny things and they, they do weird things. Each of these characters have a sort of a, um, a, they seem like a stereotype, but what happens, the big picture thing is there might be a werewolf in, in Beaverfield who's killing a lot of the, the denizens in the small town. Secondly, there's a person who wants to turn the town into pretty much an oil mining, oil rig area. And there are pe- some people in town who want it because they want to be paid off. By the way, listeners, I want to tell you something. I, I forgot what was that nature movie that Bruce and Eric were talking about. Remember, when, was it Sator? And I told yeah. Bruce and Eric that I would last 20 minutes in the forest. And then Bruce and Eric horrified me deliverance style by saying that they could live there for weeks. If I was living in Beaverfield and an oil man came w- with a wad of cash, I would have him tear every single tree and every single living thing from Beaverfield. I would take all of that cash of money and then, and then move, my, move my horrible, greedy self into another nice, peaceful town. Rinse, repeat. Okay, so I'm very corrupt. <laughs> I'm very, very corrupt. But anyways, that's a whole different that's a whole different tangent regarding this movie. But there's an oil magnet who wants to take over the town and put it in an oil field. Some people want it, want the cash. Other people want the pristine nature of Mother Nature, of, of nature to be intact. Now that there is a lot of conflicts in this movie, and what I found really interesting is amidst all of the comedy and the back and forth, the, and and all the fun like Eric was talking about that, and the just all. I think wall-to-wall entertainment, it was just fun. With that, like uh, Eric saying, the Knives Out Five, it had a, a little, to me, a, a sort of a deeper meaning because at the end of the third act, by the third act, each of these cardboard cutout characters, they're fleshed out. And you realize that this is more than a werewolf movie. This is a movie that has something to say about division, whether it be politics or culture, religion, etc. And that's, in my opinion, definitely handled within the construct of this far out, type of comedy horror thriller kind of thing so i absolutely highly recommend werewolves within we're going to get back to you it's directed by josh rubin who previously helmed the shutter release scare me i can't wait to see scare me i am high high on werewolves within now i'm going to get off my cloud because listeners with all the praise that i've heaped on werewolves within we're going to get back to eric but i want a counter argument and hopefully this will be much more we'll round it out round it out with bruce's (laughs) thoughts on werewolves within uh yeah i didn't this this the tone did not work for me in this movie i, I think i had messaged you guys and i th- said i think i hate this movie and i that's pretty much how i came down on it uh, i didn't notice that it was scared the, the same did guy did scare me before i watched this scare me also did not work for me they both have a similar problem to me so you'll probably will like scare me and i think most people will like this movie i think i will be in the minority for sure but that being said i'll just shoot out a couple of my my notes that I wrote down. If Knives Out was too subtle and complex for you, this movie's great. You'll love this movie. If you think mustache finger tattoos are really funny, perfect movie for you. If you like shrill and grating characters, Wait, Bruce, awesome movie. What, what do you mean, Bruce? Bruce? <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you like wild, wildly mugging, <laughs> screaming performances of one-note characters, yes, this movie is for you. Oh. 
That is an edit, Eric Holmes. <laughs> if, you are, if you have just been waiting for an Adam Sandler movie, but made by an insufferable hipster, this movie is made for you. Wow. Um, you this movie on me so hard and I already watched it. <laughs> Here's a perfect example. I'm going to give a small little moment in this movie that perfectly exemplified what I hated about it. Okay. There's a moment, and I'm not going to say who and when, there's a moment when a character gets shot by an arrow. And the character stops and mugs and stands there with the arrow in his chest and falls to his knees. And then he looks down and he goes, ow. And I was like, yeah, fuck you, movie. Fuck you all the way. I, yeah, I, I liked the two main performances. I liked Sam Richardson. And I liked Milana uh, Weintraub. They were charming. Their characters were annoying, but they were the most rounded characters in this movie every other character was just useless and i honestly i had a hard time keeping track of the story because i was so bored by it i was just like i don't care about this you know everyone gathered in a room who's the killer mystery i don't care and every comment they made was just so like it was yeah it was this movie was insufferable to me i i i couldn't wait for it to be over there's another moment right for the very end and i can't tell you what it was there was a sound effect that was used almost at the very end. If I say it, I'll tell you something about this movie. But I also had another fuck you moment. It was so, I was like, really? You put that sound effect in? Really? You thought that was funny? That was, what was let's the... just say there was an animal sound effect used during a fight scene at the very end. And I was just like, oh, really? <laughs> that's just fucking stupid. <laughs> I, I know stupid. what you're talking about now. That was good. Yeah. This movie was just uh, dumb. Now they should have leaned into that harder. They should have made this basically a retelling of Mr. Rogers in this format and i would have been on board for that craziness but it didn't so well i am he should so have been that you... he should have been the mailman mr mcfeely this is a strong not recommend for you right bruce that definitely well, i mean it's yeah, go... comedy and it's horror both are highly subjective this does both wrong for me but if it's your style you're gonna love it doubly so i think most people are, are loving this more than hating it so for me it's absolutely a no-go so if you didn't Very like cool. scare me you probably won't like this so okay that is bruce perky's very wow man i felt i felt like i was i, I felt like bruce perky put me on on the uh, top rope and just bam did a super fly jimmy snooka move and just <laughs> splatted right on me that was really I'm the cool. great kabuki i've told you this before i'm the great kabuki <laughs> the great kabuki eric Holmes. i, I will into- say i will say that i agree with everything that Bruce says, and I was totally in for all of it. <laughs> as soon as the uh, the scary music with the uh, Mr. Rogers quote at the beginning, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. The Ubisoft kind of confused me because I was yeah. like, oh, the, the Ubisoft, they're doing movies now. That's cool. And apparently it's a video game movie. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. But uh, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, this is easily the greatest video game movie ever made. Not that that's a high bar to clear, but this like this one just like soared over that bar for me. Did um, the humor get to you? Did you like the humor? Did you like yeah, the, because yeah, I, I I loved all the characters. Uh, I I wouldn't say they're that deep, um, but I'm not. That's not what I'm here for. You know, I'm I'm here to have fun. You know, maybe if there there are those deep things uh, that you mention, I just wasn't paying attention because I'm just here for the ooh. Who's the, who's the, who's the killer? Oh, you know, I, I got, I got knife hands, you know, I like that guy. 
<laughs> you know just um all the all the stuff that uh bruce is absolutely annoyed by this movie is the stuff i'm like yeah, i love this <laughs> there's a part where a thing blows up and then the camera like cuts way back and you see the like right. in the background yes. like that 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 kind of visual humor the the two main leads love them loved all the characters pretty much loved everything about this greg you gave a, a line the uh only thing you had a it, the only thing you took issue with this movie was that you only got to see it once. Yes. And I'm kind of with you on there. This Very is cool. a movie. This, this is one of those uh, comedies that I'm just going to watch a bunch of times and just pick up a bunch of lines and be insufferable, repeating them over and over too much to Bruce's chagrin. You but, and I have to make a pact that once we get it on Blu-ray <laughs> and if we start quoting it, yeah. Bruce Perky cannot be here because we value him <laughs> as a friend. We have to do it. Not we can't do that at at the mercy of our friendship with uh, at that sacrifice. But yeah, I I, I love this movie. I, yeah. I, and I I just want to watch it over and over and over again for all the reasons that Bruce hated it. I, I will defend Bruce's stance though, because there is it is out there humor, and it is a I think it will be an acquired taste of some people. And Bruce's feelings about this movie, there will be people who I think will share in his sentiment, because there are characters who will. Don't talk like this, Eric. Can, can I make you a sandwich? Because I'm really sad right now. <laughs> Eric and I would be yeah. laughing. And then <laughs> there are there will be people like Bruce. It it just grates. That's part of the humor. And this is one of these things where I can see a lot of people joining Bruce's camp. Thank goodness. You know what? It'd be interesting if all three of us really did not like the movie, but it's interesting that we've gotten so many really interesting reactions. I- I, I want to bring up one other thing, which, and I wouldn't even bring this up if if this were not a video game movie, but since it is, I think where this works, in, and maybe Bruce can kind of agree, uh, if, at least in concept, is that uh, I think why this works as a video game movie is that they, now I'm not familiar with the video game, I'm like, no, I'm, never played, va- no. I'm vaguely familiar with it. Uh, it's like a VR game and you're supposed mm. to figure out who the werewolf is. So, I mean, it's, it's tangentially kind of related to the concept of the game, but as far as I can tell, they're not doing a bunch of winks at the camera, throwing a bunch of Easter eggs. Like it, it's, it's, they, they took the video game concept and made a movie out of it and try to, you know, made the, though Bruce disagrees, they made the best movie that they could. Yeah. Um, the video game be damned. And I oh, think yeah. I think if you're gonna do a video game movie, you have to do that. You can't be winking. Oh, we threw in this Easter egg for the fans. Oh, we're gonna wink at the camera for the fans. It's like then you're not making a movie. You're making a fan film or you know so whatever you want to call that. I think this movie commits to what it wants to be. It commits to its humor. It commits to its concept. And I, it, at least for me, that's where it worked. And I think other video game. Uh, other filmmakers doing video game adaptations in the future might do well to uh, at least take that point of view uh, when doing adapting a video game. I was going to say, it's not a, it's not a video game. It's a movie. Like it's it. I never even thought about the video game aspect of it when I watched it. I just took it as a movie. So I think I actually agree on that aspect. It's, it's its own thing. So, yeah. So it also stars Sam. So we mentioned Sam, Richardson and Milana Vaintrub, but it also stars Michael Chernis, Sarah Burns, Catherine Curtin, Wayne Duvall, I believe I'm pronouncing the name correctly, Harvey Guillen, Rebecca Henderson, Cheyenne Jackson, Michaela Watkins, 
Glenn Fleshler. The reason why I'm mentioning all of these actors is because another cool thing about this movie, in my, at least in my opinion, each of these characters have their real moment within the movie to shine and they each have a funny part in the movie. So it goes back to Eric's initial review of the movie. It has a definite Knives Out feel on a positive level. So that's what I, th- I how I, I really love this movie. Eric loved this movie. Bruce Berge does not love this movie. Most importantly, tell us what you think of Werewolves Within when it hits theaters this Friday, June 25th, and it hits, it's available for rent everywhere on July 2nd. So glad that we were able to cover who, who actually recommended Werewolves Within first. Was it you, Eric? Um, or was it Bruce? Or? I actually think it might've been Bruce. <laughs> I was, I was excited to see this movie. I actually thought it would be really good. So okay, I went in cool. on it with an open mind for sure. Okay, yeah. Remember last week, folks, in case, you know, Eric, our, the omen is whenever Bruce recommends a movie, I think pretty much he's going to not like it. So that's going to be an omen for us whenever he says, hey, let's go see this. It'll, you and I will end up really digging it. Case in point, listen to our last week's episode of Gaia, which Bruce Perky recommended that we all see. Eric and I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Oh, well, I you say, actually I gave say, a slight recommend, though, Bruce, mm-hmm. in fairness. Yeah, I, I say Bruce recommends all, uh, picks all the movies. <laughs> Because we love them, but you know, for I guess, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't do good for Bruce. Apparently, <laughs> speaking of which, I there's a movie I I really I really love this movie. Te llevo conmigo. I carry you with me. I don't even know how to really explain this. It's uh, set in Mexico it, over a period of I, be, I believe four decades. It's written and directed by Heidi Ewing, and it's based on the friendships that she's had with these men called. Uh, with, man called with these with her close friends Yvonne and Gerardo and they're lifelong soulmates and for years she was trying to get a documentary off the ground just featuring them so after years of thinking about this she decided to make a narrative based on their lives which we have here I carry you with me and when it follows four decades this epic film running 111 minutes it follows us from the beginning where we meet Yvonne he's a aspiring chef in Mexico, specifically in the city of Puebla. He's not even a sous chef or at all. He's cleaning toilets, cleaning the restaurants. He's just trying to make ends meet. We meet him as a youth. He's played with quite effectiveness by Armando Espetia. Espetia. He's very, he's excellent in this movie. And one night on the town with his close friend, his close friends played by this, actually I had no idea she was a comedian. She's this woman named Michelle Rodriguez. With his, he goes out with his childhood friend and he meets at a club. He meets Gerardo, played by Christian Vasquez, who's also very good in this movie. And it, the movie centers on Ivan and Gerardo's relationship in Mexico and Ivan's his, his, eventual decision to immigrate, illegally immigrate to the U.S. And it follows his journey from Mexico to New York, Okay. One of the things that I, I do regret talking, just talking about this is I, when Eric, I was so excited when Eric Holmes was going to see this, I decided to not even tell him a lot about this movie. And unfortunately, the way to actually, I, I, maybe, maybe Eric will disagree with me on this, but it's already going to be covered. You're already going to know that Gerardo and Yvonne play their current selves in the movie. So this movie is half narrative. I'm sort of uh, half narrative and half documentary. So half the movie is set in memory and is cinematically shot in Mexico and Puebla. And it's beautiful, beautiful to look at. But by the time we get to even present day or New York, a lot of it is shot in a different 
different style because in, in a more documentary style that Eric, that I'm sure that, you know, that that was a little surprise I wanted to throw to you because you were actually able to enjoy it with pretty much blind eyes going in. So, but I mean, for us to actually talk about this movie, I think it's really cool that we were able to unwrap that. And, you know, in my opinion, overall, it's not going to detract from your enjoyment of this movie, but it's nice to actually have that surprise. It's, it's catch 22 for me. This is one of my favorite films of the year. The third act for me was very resonant Acting is great all around. The heart of the movie deals with memory about Yvonne and Gerardo's relationship. That is the heart and soul of the movie. But I think it's also great that the real people were able to play them in present day. It's, it's a beautiful film from director and co-writer Heidi, Heidi Ewing in theaters in Los Angeles and New York, June 25th. You're going to be hearing more about this movie as the weeks and months progress. Eric, your thoughts on I Carry You With Me. Well, 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 how do we do this? Because <laughs> uh, I got I got questions now after hearing you talk. And because oh. uh, I'm not, lots of things go right over my head uh, quite easily. Oh. And I will say this, this movie's really, really, really good. And you should watch it. And I kind of think that I should just not say anything else until maybe towards the end of the episode, if that's okay. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. Okay. But okay. yeah, the, but uh, the, the movie's very uh, uh, harrowing, uh, very sweet at times, very angering at other times. And it, it just, it's, it just takes your emotions and just wrings the living shit out of them. Yeah. Check it out. And I'll talk more probably spoiler ish kind of stuff later on. Oh, spo- spoiler ish. Wow. Okay. You get a, you're gonna spoil. Okay, cool. I'll you know, and should should we give a caveat? I'm sorry about caveat because we. I think actually the only person in this episode or future episodes who can actually mention the word caveat are the people who actually see the movie. <laughs> we will never use a caveat in a sentence anymore after this episode. So use caveat all all you want before you and I have, have, you know get to see caveat. Yeah. Oh, and and, and uh, also Greg, to to your point, just watch this movie. And he, uh, Bruce is going to say his piece and then just go watch it and maybe come back and listen to us talk about it because this movie works best going in as cold as possible. Okay. Okay. Uh, fair. That's fair enough. Maybe I should even, you know, maybe, maybe even be listeners, if you're listening, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I, I'm what Bruce, do you think I should actually make a disclaimer and say like, Hey, before we do the review, maybe you should go in blind just watching this movie. The less you know, the better, Bruce. With I carry you with me. What do you think? Yeah, you could always do that, or we could. If he does a little spoiler thing, you just say at this point he's going to give us. You could drop us in at this point. Give a spoiler. Fast forward to this mark if you already know it in the in the edit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I'm so glad that Eric. I can't wait to hear your your final comments towards the end of the show. Eric, I'm I'm assuming he's giving a strong recommend. This is a very strong recommend for you. Yes, for me. I was I was nervous, Bruce, because. You know, I'm throwing you werewolves within and the evil next door. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing mud on your face on that with, uh, you know, you're getting, uh, I feel bad because you're getting disappointed with these movies. So I was one, this Tejevo Conmigo was the last movie that was coming your way. And hopefully <laughs> I was praying that you'd actually find this to be palatable. Uh, yes, I absolutely love this movie as well. I think we're three strong recommends on this movie. Um, I will, I'll talk briefly about it. And I will not spoil anything, but I think you had written kind of a short review on the uh, Cinematics website and or page, and you had said something about Terrence Malick. And I think that was a really kind of a, a wise observation because the look and the feel of this movie, there's a ton of location shooting in the city and out in the country and lots of not necessarily golden hour, but right after sunset, right before dawn, there's a, at night, but it's all beautiful. And I think 
even if there's stuff about immigration and stuff about coming to America and stuff about surviving in America and all this kind of thing, that's all interesting. But I think at the core, this is a love story. And I think that this really soars based on the incredible chemistry. I think the chemistry between the two actors, what is it? Uh, Christian Vasquez, Vasquez and Armando Espitia. Espitia? Espitia, right. yeah. Yeah, Espitia. Is amazing. And there's really cool touches like there's a use of a laser pointer. And who would think a laser pointer would be uh, an evocative tool in a movie? And it is. And last but not least, there's some really cool stuff that um, the director, um, Heidi Ewing, does with playing with the time shifts, where the main, I guess you would probably agree that like the core of the story is this 90s period, kind of the 90s sort of between these two people. Right. But there are several flashbacks to when each of them is a kid that are key into understanding kind of where they are at and what they have gone through. And those scenes could have been just a flashback and a whole scene, but instead of flashbacking and giving us a whole scene, they give us pieces of those scenes so that as those scenes are shown to us com- continuing to go forward through the movie, it fleshes out the current state even more so. So I, I it's a very, very high recommend for me. Yeah. I mean, I love this movie. I love, love, you know, so I've been interviewing people since 91. And one thing I didn't tell you this guy, guys, when I interviewed uh, Heidi Ewing for this, and when I'm asking a question, I, it actually, I had to hold back from actually tearing up that because the ending of this movie, there is a situation about memories and home and family. And there, again, I'm, we're not going to give away the ending, but there is, um, you know, Eric was talking about picking up a thread. A lot of movies, they'll, they'll, you can actually finish the thread and everything will be finished. And without giving too much away, Heidi, with where the story leads, she lets us as the viewer finish that thread. And we ask ourselves, what's more important? What is our home? You know, all that stuff. What's our memories? And yeah, it's an amazing, amazing film. High recommendation. Just thinking about the ending gets me pretty much yeah affects me so i really really love this movie i my only thing is it's in theaters in los angeles and new york june 25th i just hope this movie gets the attention it deserves i i know it's going to we know we're talking about rebel hearts and everything with catholic churches and discovery plus people who love documentaries they're going to get to it but this is this is more than just a gay love story this is a movie that's more than just about the immigration experience this movie is really about it, I think in, in a weird way, it really is an, a universal story about family and all that stuff. Amazing. I recommend for me, I recommend Eric, yep. you and yes. Bruce. That's yes. it. Yeah. That is our four main movies. My God, we, we, how many that, that we spent so much time on this, but look, here's <laughs> the thing. We still have a couple more movies to get to. We're going to go start off right now with our movie rewind with Eric Holmes. What do you have for us? via rewind you're pulling that thread together with a anything for jackson reference i believe yes oh actually i probably should do the recommendation first because it actually ties into what we just talked about oh you got it you got it sorry uh i saw in the heights in the heights came out in uh theaters in uh hbo max i believe i have no idea what the tie is uh eric what's what's the tie it, it has a it has a, a joke. As a joke, but it has a lot of similar themes. Um, yeah. Not not quite the same story as uh, I carry you with me, 
but there's uh the like the two make a great double feature because one like where i carry you with me is like the really heavy it has moments of joy but it's got moments of sadness and the heights is just pure fun and it's got it's got moments of darkness and uh moments of sadness on it but i think the thing i like about in the heights is that it it takes um the movie's really optimistic. It, it's uh, these bad things are happening to these people. They're, you know, having to make life choices that are going to affect them, you know, in positive ways on one hand and negative ways. I, you know, it's like most catch 22s, you want this thing cool. This is what you got to pay to get it, you know? And so you just got to weigh that. But the, uh, I think the music, cause the music is always upbeat. And I think it has this level of optimism to it that, uh, it kind of reassures you almost like the uh the the movie's your friend it's like you know what life sucks sometimes but here i'm gonna help you out this is all gonna work out you know it, it sucks right now i know it sucks right now but we're gonna get through it buddy let's get through it through selling dan and it's just uh it's total joy to watch and this might not be for everyone as most i mean i could say that about any movie <laughs> it might not be for everyone not every movie is for everyone uh but this one just hit me it when i saw this it just hit me at just the right time like i could have watched this movie a day earlier a day later may not be as high on it as i am but i just well, what was that it. right time though I, i'd like to know what that how did it just was it just a spontaneous moment that you were feeling? I think so- it was just, uh, just kind of emotionally. I was in a, I was in a place, and you know, nothing bad, nothing great. Just kind of, you ever go to a movie and you're watching it and you're like, "This is exactly the movie I need right now." And then you watch it, and it's, and so, um, you know, mileage may vary with everyone else. Uh, oddly enough, I guess a lot of people aren't watching this one, which is amazing to me because. Mm-hmm. Hamilton did so well, but yeah, this is a super high recommend, and I hope people loved it as much as I did. Did you see this in the theater or streaming? Both. Oh. <laughs> so, so I'm in the theater, and the next day I'm like, I'm going to watch this again. <laughs> so in the theater experience, you would recommend people go to the theater as opposed to just watching it on their iPad, or are you saying, you know what, well, both both situations are great, but you both know, work. Your- both work but this is totally uh this like the 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 cinematography and like the the sound like the music and everything i i, I think it just kind of works better um works better in a theater and i would even add bring friends with you that you know that this is this is like a this is a movie you should probably bring your family to i think because it's got that i mean that's kind of the a lot of the theme of this uh you know in yeah, this it's 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 I don't know. I I get this uh I get this image of someone going to see in the heights and they got their all their loved ones with them and they're all watching it, just having a great time, listening to the music, you know, laughing, crying, doing all that stuff, and then they all let you know leave the theater uh after the credits are done, of course, because they get play more music during the credits and uh it, it's so catchy you don't even want to leave. And then you go walking out to your hut car. It's like, and they won't do it anymore. So uh, Greg Ward's scissor hands doesn't have to cut it out. But uh, yeah, this is super high recommend. And if it's playing in the theater, bring bring people with you. This is, is a total crowd pleaser. And I think a lot of people will really dig it. That is a strong recommend. Mayor Combs, that is in the Heights. I believe Bruce Perky might be seeing it very, very soon. Is that correct, Bruce? Maybe down the road? Okay. Yeah, my son and I have been wanting to see it for a few days here. We just haven't 
got quite the time to do it yet, but we're, we're planning on seeing it together. So, and be- before Bruce, we get to your recommendation, Eric Holmes for your movie rewind, would you also recommend anything for Jackson, a movie that Bruce Perky has championed for quite a while? Yes. Yes. So anything for Jackson, that one is a lot like uh, the evil next door, but it's like the good version of it. Like all the, all the stuff that the evil next door has it like the, the scary kid and the uh, based on true, like uh, the stuff of evil next door that I didn't really care for anything for Jackson did the, the different version of that. And well, first of all, the uh the opening scene for anything for jackson is just kind of mundane until it's not mundane and then i'm locked in for the rest of the movie um the, this goes in odd directions i think at one point um bruce mentioned a wood chipper and he wasn't wrong <laughs> or maybe i or maybe i mentioned the wood chipper who knows <laughs> but uh yeah anything for jackson is streaming on on shutter and it's uh it, it's fantastic mm-hmm. okay streaming on shutter oh. and it just got released just got released on dvd and blu-ray like I'm this it. week <laughs> i'm buying this it. week okay good good to know good to know okay oh so, and and uh bruce i believe i believe you have the interview with the uh filmmaker is that on mm-hmm. the russell meyer yeah yeah okay yeah. yeah and you can check out bruce's interview with justin dyke yeah, right. Justin G. Dyke. Um, actually, I shot him a quick message today, and I said we were going to be talking about the movie that he put in the box, and he said, "Awesome!" You know, so he's a cool guy, and he's really excited to have his movie out on DVD and Blu-ray now, and that it's you know people are excited about it. And he was very excited because he had a history of making a bunch of Hallmark movies. That's his history. He made all these Christmas movies, and he saved up his money to make this movie as his kind of little horror movie. And I want to say one thing quick, quickly to Eric. How much did you like the scene that kept occurring where a police officer kept walking into a room? <laughs> <laughs> I, I dug it a lot. Um, I, you know what? This, I, okay, I hate doing this because you, like I, the, you know, when you get a really good filmmaker, you don't want to lock him into something. I could see him doing a fucking awesome Hellraiser movie. Like a next level fucking awesome Hellraiser movie. I don't want him to do one because I want to see what other, you know, original stuff comes out of his crazy ass head. But if he ever, if, you know, if uh, he ever went down that road and it turned out that he's already doing a Hellraiser movie, I'm like, I guess I'm watching that immediately. So that is cool. That is our, our, uh, I guess Eric's recommendation of the week that it's anything for Jackson. It's as Bruce said, it's now out on Blu-ray and DVD. And I, all you uh, Shutter fanatics, it's already streaming on the service. So you definitely get on that. Bruce Berkey, before we get to what's in the box, you have your own recommendation this week. Yeah, just a quick one. This is a little lost gem. And a, a few of our people in the Cinematics group had, had mentioned this recently. And I had been reminded that I had been meaning to watch this movie forever. So I went back and watched it. It's called Housebound from 2014, directed by Gerard Johnstone. Uh, it's on Hoopla. It's on Tubi. And it's on Shutter. So you can see it for free very easily, even if you don't have Shudder. Um, this is a New Zealand, a little really unique and odd little New Zealand horror thriller kind of movie. Kind of like we were just talking about anything for Jackson. This movie doesn't quite fit into certain categories. Basic concept is this girl named Kylie 
played by Morgana O'Reilly. She's really good. He has kind of been kind of going down in her luck. She's been getting into drugs and doing some like petty thefts. So as her sentence, she is put under house arrest with her parents, which as you can imagine, if you're a sullen drug using kind of angry, uh, young 20 something year old woman, that is probably almost worse than prison because you're stuck with your parents in their house, which is what her situation is. Uh, her mom is Miriam, uh, who's Rina Tawaita. You might know her as the mom from uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. If you've ever seen that movie, uh, you will recognize her. Really cool concept. She's stuck in here. She's got her anklet bracelet on. Um, she can only go so far away from the house. And it starts out and you think like, well, this is going to be kind of a haunted because her her mom says all the time, like this movie, this, this house has been haunted forever. I just telling you it's been haunted. So it starts out and you think, oh, it's going to be a haunted movie and that's what's going to happen. But it slowly revolves into this thing where the where Kylie uh, basically has to discover a weird history to this house, a possible murder mystery, a possible haunting. There are humorous elements throughout. She ends up teaming up with the guy who's a security guard who is called immediately if she leaves the perimeter because her anchor bracelet goes off. He shows up and becomes part of the, the adventure. It's just a ton of fun, very inventive, keeps going places you're not expecting. Um, this is one of those movies that is just kind of a hidden genre gen gem that doesn't quite fit into any category. And I think that if you give it a try, I think most people who like, definitely people who like horror, people who like thrillers, people who like mysteries, I think, or oddball comedies. I think anyone who likes those categories, I think you'll have a lot of fun with this movie. My gosh, this movie sounds so awesome. It's really good. Okay. So that is Housebound. Again, like it's streaming on Hoopla and Tubi. And yeah, hopefully if you Hoopla, if you have a library card membership kind of thing, and I, I get it, Hoopla. Do you have you ever tried Hoopla, Eric Holmes? Have you ever tried downloading that, or do you have it? I've I've gone knee deep in the Hoopla, but only with the Jefferson Starship. Very good. <laughs> very good pun, very punny, Eric Holmes, and it's also available streaming on Tubi. We are going to close out our show. No, we're not going to. We're going to close out this segment, and then we're going to get back to Eric Holmes' thoughts on. Some spoiler stuff, but let's get to what's in the box. It's going to be a pick this week. But before we get into what's in the box, Eric, what do we do before we start? What do we do? Oh, what's in the box? Oh, hey, yo, Pete, drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie. No. What's in the fucking box? All right, we're back, folks, with our that is of course that is Peter Beta, the guy who who did our drop from middle class film class. Okay, Bruce, what what do you have this week for our what's in the box pick? So uh, Justin G. Dyke, the director of uh, Anything for Jackson, suggested I watch a Hellmark movie by one of his friends that came out last fall <laughs> called Letters to Satan Claus. This is on Hulu. It's on Sci-Fi, or it's on. I'm sorry, I take that back. It's on Fubo and sci-fi but if you have hulu you can watch sci-fi stuff on there so i watched it on hulu letters to Saint Cloud. so this would be a perfect example earlier we were talking about werewolves within and how it just didn't work for me this is definitely not going to work for some people but if you go in with the attitude of someone is making a picture perfect hallmark movie but they're doing it in with a with a satanic twist i guess you'd say it's very entertaining and surprisingly wholesome which is odd but it is kind of here's the basic concept and it's a pretty great concept a little girl is really annoyed by her parents right you have this is how it kind of starts and she writes a 
a letter to Santa. I wish my parents just went away and then throws the letter in the box. Well, flash forward to like when she's like in her like what late 20s, early 30s, she discovers that she accidentally wrote it to Satan and not Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why that Christmas, which is why that Christmas when they opened their their presence it in, included the severed body parts of their parents <laughs> so that is not wholesome Bruce. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't describe <laughs> this just shows you how you don't know don't trust my sense of humor people the <laughs> we're wolves within is probably great i just messed up so anyway uh the future version the main movie is her as a reporter she's trying to become a, an anchor she's not doing very well she's kind of a she's almost like bill murray and like groundhog day you know, she's, she drinks, she's just kind of a troublemaker. She gets sent out to her hometown to do this Christmas report and she discovers the letter and she writes another letter, but this time purposely to Satan. And that leads to a whole cavalcade of, and uh, the whole town is full of people that all have Christmassy names and it's just as cheesy as you might expect, but I, I surprisingly enjoyed the hell out of this movie. It's, it's, if you can get into the vibe of it, I think you'd have a lot of fun. And there's a moment where someone eats the wing off of an angel cookie and then all the cookies come to life and start getting angry and stuff. And, you know, that kind of thing I just kind of go with. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds like a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> Is it just funny? Is it just downright funny? Is that why you liked it a lot? Um, it's, to me, what I like is that it's a parody. So it's a parody of that Hallmark style of movie. So it has that real overly treacly kind of sweetness and, and these like super superficial characters on purpose, but it never quite veers into Sharknado territory. You know what I mean? That's a really yeah. tough thing. It, it could go all the way there. And to me, it didn't. And mostly because the main performance of Holly by Karen Knox, she is really good and really kind of the cynical center of the whole thing. And having her be that kind of Bill Murray start of a character where the actual story is to try to turn her, you know, to the spirit of Christmas. It, that's the end of the wholesome side of it, right? Through all of this mayhem and Satanism going on. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I did not expect to. I expected it to be a slog and I, I, I liked it quite a bit. So, okay. so that is go. Letters to Satan Claus for next week. Bruce Perky is now shuffling the box. He's uh, moving the oh, box. Yeah, shuffle the box. What's in the box, Bruce? One of these days, one of these days, the turd is coming out, and we'll see if it's this week. Mm, We'll see. My kid is probably outside the door right now. He waits. He hopes for it to happen. What's in the box? I'm not opening it. I I have them rolled up in little pieces. Stop! Leave me alone. It's in the box. He loves you. What's in the box? box? Aha! Uh-huh. Well, this has only been two weeks since Andrew Martin made an appearance. He's already back, coming out of the box. Yes. Andrew Martin, oh, this is great. I have never seen this movie, and I've been wanting to see it forever. Dreams by Akira Kurosawa. Nice. Never heard. Yeah, never heard of the guy. Never seen. So, it. Really excited to hear. Oh, I mean, who knows? Maybe I might join in too because I got Paris, Texas, and I don't know. Dreams. Yeah, that guy. That that Akira guy. He's pretty good. He's not a bad. He's not he's, bad. What's pretty good? Whatsoever. Flash round, Eric Holmes' favorite Akira Kurosawa film. What is it? Oh, oh uh, Ikiru, probably. Ikiru, very good. Bruce Perky, your thoughts? Ikiru. Ikiru, ooh, I should say Ikiru as well. But my favorite is this movie called Redbeard, followed closely by Ikiru. Both movies, both Redbeard and Ikiru, uh, you know, if you want movies that'll make you tear up. 
Ikiru and by the way, did you guys almost tear up Ooh. at Ikiru in uh, towards the end? Did you almost tear up with that? I almost made me tear up. I mean, can I change my answer? Yeah, Seven Samurai. What? No, Last oh. Man Standing. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, Go, leave it to Eric Holmes to bring Walter Hill into an Akira Kurosawa. Walter Hill. Set. You saw my post this week, right? Yes, Walter, oh, Hill. Walter Hill is going to make another movie. I forgot what the movie's called. I think it's it's some pulpy western kind of thing that he. Oh, we gotta do that one. We're yeah. definitely doing that one. Yeah, like, who was in it? I forget. It was like spoiler um, alert. I love Willem it. It's my favorite Dafoe. movie. Of the <laughs> I think by William Defoe and I think Michael Fassbender, maybe I think something like that. Something really good. But I know definitely William Defoe. William Defoe's in it, and then yes, exactly, Eric. Yeah, I'm loving it too. So, yeah, that is. I don't, I don't even need to watch it. That movie's awesome. Well, yeah, Walter Hill <laughs> is back. And by the way, I still haven't seen it, but Streets of Fire currently streaming on Netflix. You must be so happy about that, Eric Holmes. That's pretty good. That's very pretty good. Not a bad, not a bad thing. Before we end our show. By request from Eric Holmes, you wanted to, should we do that little, little caveat, quote unquote, copy it and say, if you're listening to this, uh, you're, we're spoiling stuff or what should we do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not spoiling it huge. I uh, just got a couple, you mentioned something earlier, but yeah, fuck spoilers. We're pretty much done for the rest of the show. So if you okay, bye, bye, folks, we will <laughs> you see wanna... you next week on find your film. If you want to hear Eric's uh, comments and our comments regarding Teevo Conmigo regarding the ending or, or whatever spoilers that Eric wants to do, listen after you see the movie, but otherwise, thank you guys for listening to find your film. We're done, but we're not Eric Holmes. Okay. So anyway, now that we're talking about, uh, so this isn't like a, a twist, like a part of the, part of the plot of the movie, but you mentioned that it's the same guy playing the character Right, the real Yvonne and Gerardo, they're playing... I thought there were different actors. So you're saying that there's an actor playing him as the character, and then the the when they're older, that's the real people? That's them. So that's... this is this is actually part documentary. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah. thought they... I, I just thought it was really, really good makeup work. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out. Okay, no, okay, no, no. So that's, that's what I felt. I felt bad, because... You know, to, to actually plug the movie, you have to. One of the sexier parts of Te Llevo Conmigo is the fact that half of it is a narrative and the other half is documentary with documentary footage that Heidi has actually collected over or called over the years and along with new footage. Right. So it's an it's a hybrid. And Bruce, like, we don't see that much. I mean, I, I don't, I can't remember movies other no. unless you're like Richard Linklater or something like that. Or, yeah. Know. And I was going to mention it, but I didn't because I didn't want to get into that in the actual meat of the show. But I was mentioning that to me, it's kind of similar to. You know how you watch a whole movie and at the very end during the credits, they show you the actual photos of the people. Yeah. It was like they did that, but they shoved that into the last third of the movie. So you actually got to see yeah. them in their lives. And I thought that, that was pretty awesome. It was pretty impactful. And then the whole aspect of his son and then like, oh, that is really his son. Oh, shit. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yep. That was pretty great. Yeah, that, that, that was, uh, I guess since we're in spoilers now, we can talk about it, but the whole idea of the whole idea of him leaving his son. Well, it, it, it's yeah, weird because, because he didn't real. leave. I mean, he left his son, but he was also kind of that that place didn't want him there. Like yeah. since forever, mm-hmm. that his entire home was trying to push him away. In fact, I'm guessing that his son was the only thing he really wanted to come back for. And then, yeah, and then he never did, which was also. Like any other any other character or any other person, I'd be like, "Oh, you're not going to go back to your son. That's a dick move." But then you see, "Oh, wait, this is you know this is what's going on." So you kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, I kind of get it. 
but it kind of yeah, don't. Flip- I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm real conflicted on his character, but I think that's what makes this movie so so yeah. it, interesting. Is that you know when you have characters that aren't you know total good guys or total bad guys, you got this. I mean, with him, there's huge gray areas, and it's all interesting. And I I disagree with them, but then I also I get it at the same time. Yeah, and th- this movie has so much of that, and it's fantastic. So does that add an extra layer to your? appreciation of the movie the fact that it's actually them playing themselves at the end yeah that that adds like a a hundred story buildings of layers (laughs) yeah there's 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 so much going on in here that it you know it's not as uh clear-cut as uh oh i feel sorry for you oh i hate you it's uh, there's a lot going on in this and well bruce what is that movie the by Kristen johnson what's that about her father the doc the netflix documentary you were talking about the well, she's filming her father uh, oh. dementia. I forgot. Yeah, Johnson is dead. Is that the movie um, it's about Dick Johnson? Is the dead. death, the death, the of, death Dick of Dick Johnson, Johnson or something. The death of Dick, Dick Johnson. Johnson. One of yeah. oh, that's the death of no, Dick but I think Long. the death of Dick that, Long. Yeah, you think of the death of Dick Long, but this is I think death Dick, of Johnson Dick Johnson is dead. Dick Dick Johnson is dead. Very good, very good. Dick Johnson. Or, is dead. No, wait, John dies at the end. That's that's what. It is. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? All these spoiler tired. Yeah, Dick Dick Johnson is dead. I think it has some of that. Kristen Johnson st- kind of style. What's a little bit narrative and you're wondering what's real or what's not. And Kristen Johnson, that is. And she did this other movie called Cameraman, which I think is a classic. I definitely have to watch Dick Johnson is Dead. I, I still haven't gotten to it. Eric, you still haven't gotten to that either, right? No, no. Again, it's strong recommend for you, I, right? I, I know how it ends. I don't need to yeah. see it. I know how yeah. it ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a strong recommend for me. It's a pretty divisive movie because some people see it as manip- manipulative and there's a lot of questions because he's undergoing dementia. So as it goes on, there's a question about how much is he a member of what's actually going on versus is she exploiting him? I think to me, that makes it actually interesting. Maybe it's not what she intended it to be exactly, but there's, it's interesting beyond maybe what she intended it to be. So it's a, it's his, uh, his daughter that's making the movie though. Right. I I think that kind of falls into the Seder thing though, where it like, it's the, it's the family. So you kind of, like if it's an outsider doing it, you kind of feel uh, mm-hmm. a way about it. But since it's family, it's almost like I guess I just kind of uh, you could you a, should watch a, it. assume the best. You should watch it because it, it starts out one way, but as it progresses, you start to see him and you start to wonder if he's still on board and how much he's aware if he's still on board. And that, oh, so he's a he's on board at the beginning. That's where it gets iffy. Yeah, with dementia. Yeah, All yeah, right. we'll see. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. I okay, probably should have anyway. <laughs> okay, guys, that is it for this. I guess this is a second goodbye, but uh, the good thing about it is we didn't spoil too much. There's still a lot to unpack with Tayevo Convigo or I Carry You With Me. Until then, Eric, you want to say something before we go? All right, I got one more recommendation. And No, just kidding. <laughs> and as always. <laughs> a bit late for that. <laughs> as always, it's, it, it's so late, it's early. Bruce Berkey, you're, as always, lead us off with the final thought for the show all i have to say as an enigmatic burrito i saw um, that it's very very hard for me to decide (laughs) how to go with these things so i will just say um just go with i carry i carry me with you i carry you with me i carry you with me i carry you with me very good we could have just said Benny loves you, but uh, you know that. Benny loves you. Benny loves you. <laughs> Benny loves you. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next week.